we enjoy a very loyal base of clients that are active, sophisticated, well-informed, and therefore they definitely trade in these markets. The retail market, which might be in the beginning stages of their investing and trading journey, are still very interested and are looking at strategies that they can implement to participate. And we see that in the web traffic. The YouTube views that we have have increased substantially over this past year, despite markets being rather depressed in terms of equity markets in general. They want to understand what's going on. This is a global trend that we see across our clients everywhere. You are listening to Investorama, your guide to the future of investing without the hype. I am delighted to speak to Jim Felix, the CEO of IG Group, a post that follows over 20 years experience in the financial services and technology industry. And she's been instrumental in IG's evolution as a leading global fintech in this expansion in the U.S. market. Thank you, June, for being here. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. Uh, can I ask you to give us a, your background and what you did the, prior to this role? Absolutely. Very happy to. Started out as a chemical engineer pre-med and graduated top of my class in that, but then went on to consulting, strategy consulting, then into banking and technology at Chase Manhattan Bank, running the Asia Pacific region, and then also being at IBM, running their global banking financial markets business globally, as well as having been a CEO of a turnaround in the early 2000s. So have done a wide variety of things that have led up to this role in technology and banking. Yeah, and it's certainly striking that IG Group is known as a trading company, but your background is more, let's say, on the on the tech side. And uh, I was wondering that now that IG Group presents itself as a fintech, do you think it was always a fintech or is it something that it's transformed into a fintech? Well, it's always been a highly innovative company, having invented the whole category of Ds or OTC derivatives for retail clients. And I think that's at the core. And we've used technology as a critical enabler, and we're among the first to do online trading of these instruments, as well as the mobile applications that we've created and implemented in over 21 countries around the world. So at our heart, uh, fintechs are people that really see technology as a critical component to create differentiation. And that's been at the core of IG from the beginning. So that, that explains as well your background, although not, not the chemical engineering, but, but everything that you've done before. We're going to talk, of course, about trading and retail investing, but you're also a champion of financial literacy. And I wanted to start with that. So what are we talking about there? What do we mean by financial literacy? Well, financial literacy is quite simple in some ways. It's actually having the tools and understanding to take control of your own financial future, being uh, mathematically literate and understanding, you know, critical concepts about even interest rate and percentages, which you find strikingly many people don't understand compounded growth rates and uh, let alone the more sophisticated Black-Scholes models that are used in some of our products. But, you know, just having a more level playing field, creating content and educational material that helps guide people or provides people access and understanding is what IG is very focused on in helping promote financial literacy for our clients that are very ambitious and self-directed, as well as for the broader community in schools as well. 
So where does it start, right? Because you cannot <laughs> jump straight into a career investment platform. You mentioned schools. So do you think there's a role that schools perhaps are missing here? Well, I think there's a, a very important role that schools can play and should play in terms of ensuring that, you know, fundamental mathematical concepts and understanding money are taught at a very young age. Uh, certainly that is really, really key. And I think that's a role that schools can play. We actually have put together a Brighter Future Fund specifically focused on empowering people from disadvantaged neighborhoods to get better educational systems and a focus on STEM in particular. We've also partnered in the UK with a Learning with Parents type of charity that helps parents have the tools to work with their children at very young ages, like six, seven, and eight, to understand the concepts of money and also be numerate, uh, be, you know, comfortable with numbers. So it starts at the very, very start. I think it's also having role models as to how important it is for people to take control of their finances as opposed to having other people do it for them. And that, that's because if you look at it, defined contribution is a wave, is a wave that is going to sweep the world and has certainly already started in many parts of the world, whether US or Asia. And it will be necessary in, in Europe as well, because defined benefit programs are not sustainable. Sure. No, we're, we're in charge now, right? We're responsible for our own retirement and future. But just going back to, yes, really understanding this concept of financial literacy. So if I get it right, there's a whole spectrum, right? From understanding, let's say, the basics of money, perhaps when you're a kid, to, well, linking to investing, trading, and perhaps Black and Scholes. I don't know if it's a part of the curriculum, but it's a, a lot more advanced. Is this the way to, to look at financial literacy? Well, that's the way we look at it. I think we want to, we believe in application of these concepts to real life products that provide opportunity for individuals and creating the transparency and tools so individuals can engage with financial markets and understand will hopefully benefit them as they try to take control of their financial future. And, you know, at IG, we have dedicated a lot of resources, whether it's at Tasty Live, which is an online trading program, or through the IG Academy or Daily Effects, which are content vehicles and analysts that we have around the world that provide these real-life insights on what's going on and how that relates to markets, whether it's equities, commodities, indices, gold, and in, as well as individual countries. It's also very interesting that Tasty started as a content network and then become a, a trading platform, right, which you acquired recently. So there's this quote, which I've always liked from a book called The History of Work, and it says, our identity will no longer be defined by a single source of income. And it's adding to what you discussed about, okay, we have to be in charge of our own financial future, but it's also about, I think, the evolution of the way we work and the way we have an income. Also, because there's this uh, great wealth transfer that we discuss, so it, we don't often talk about it, but in fact, many of us have to deal with significant investments. And like you said, we're not necessarily prepared for this responsibility. Do you see that as well as kind of a, yeah, an important trend that plays out? Absolutely. It's it's the whole management of one's portfolio, whether it's short or long-term related and against very specific objectives. And having, you know, that information content 
content and tools to help you see the possibilities, right? And to actually play around with scenarios, understand what the implications are, and also understand how to manage risk because there is no guarantee but having tools that make it transparent as to what risks are is a really important part of gaining the confidence in order to take your own decisions. Yes, and this is very much also what, what this podcast is about. It's about empowering investors, in particular with the new tools that we have, because there's so much more things we can access to at the moment. And... Obviously, the democratization, we talk a lot about democratization of everything. I think it's a quote from one of your articles that says that the Chinese are the most powerful for crisis. Be aware of the danger, but recognize the opportunity. So do you think that's where also we're at at the moment? This is the way we have to approach it as investors? Absolutely. We've actually surveyed our customers, um, our clients, and 82% of them believe that they can find opportunities even in market downturns and in challenging markets because they have, over time, developed the confidence and tools, understanding to really participate in the market in the right way. So definitely, this is a time when it is important to be engaged. We see that in just as we look at web traffic for our sites, it's actually gone up substantially despite the markets being in some months very lackluster because people are hungry for insight and information. And the number of things that have changed over the last 12 months is staggering. And therefore, people are looking for angles and information to actively participate. I think um, in this type of market, standing still actually means that you go backwards. So what is important is to be engaged and involved as opposed to hoping that the storm or challenge passes. This is just the way markets are going to be for a while. Yeah, this is a very interesting insight because we, we've seen, well, interest was zero. We've seen a period of frenzy, GameStop and, and co, where people were extremely active in the market. Do you see that there's an effort by retail investors to raise their own level of sophistication and knowledge? Definitely. Definitely. They want to understand what's going on. This is a, a global trend that we see across our clients everywhere. We enjoy a very loyal base of clients that are active, sophisticated, well-informed. And therefore, they definitely trade in these markets. The retail market, which might be in the beginning stages of their investing and trading journey, are still very interested and are looking at strategies that they can implement to participate. And we see that in the web traffic. The YouTube views that we have have increased substantially over this past year, despite markets being rather depressed in terms of equity markets in general. Yeah, this is, could be a fundamental change. And again, I think GME, AMC were more outliers and we can't really learn them, but it showed that retail markets, retail participants could be very sophisticated. Some of them were, right? And I think this could be something that perhaps has changed since the last crisis when people were telling us in the great financial crisis, those products, you'll never understand them. <laughs> not even if you're not a market participant, but not even if you're the bank that has built the CDO. It's too complicated. Leave it out. So there's been a, a cultural revolution as well, would you say? I totally agree. I think that 
they are they are interested in more sophisticated products, and we've seen that even as people have gone into futures more, which is certainly a more sophisticated product. That whole category has grown. The retail investor is engaged in understanding options, understanding our leverage trading products, and are you know really looking at tools and also participating and building portfolios and demo accounts to get that experience. Mm-hmm. So the question that comes with that is obviously there's a conflict in the IG group between education and promotion, right? So how do you address this with your content? Yeah, I don't see it as uh, really, well, if you look at our content, uh, we provide a lot of content absolutely free to millions of people around the world that is, you know, very focused on not product features. It's really focused on market movements and market insights. So the vast majority of our content is around the market and how one can navigate in the market as opposed to the particular features of our, our capability. This is quite an interesting one because another trend as well that people say with the creator economy is that there's kind of a new enlightenment which may be a bit over, an overstatement, but, you know, referring to the centuries ago in Europe, that, well, there's the new types of creators and the information is now become available to everyone to elevate themselves. And, you know, I was mentioning CDOs, but it's, do you think it's to, it's more, for example, for someone to be a, a master of auctions, like a perfect trader? Listen, it's uh, this is like asking people, can you be a master at an Olympian, right? Or a wonderful at golf, right? You know, one of the leading people in golf. Anything takes practice and dedication and to be world-class. So I would say that doesn't take away from the fact that many people can participate at a different level and a productive level without having to be world-class. And... Um, that's what we try to do is help everybody find their maximum potential through the right kind of content, the right tools, the right kind of risk analysis capability, and the breadth of the products that we offer. We offer five different trading and investing experiences for people, whether it's on Tasty Trade, which is all about options and futures principally, but also has equities. We also provide OTC derivatives through the IG platform provide content through Tasty Live, and we also provide through Spectrum the ability to participate in turbos, exchange-traded products like constant leverage and warrants. So we have a whole ecosystem of options for people, irrespective of where they're starting from. Just going back to this kind of big picture of how the retail trading and investment landscape is changing. So you mentioned, okay, not everyone can be an Olympian, but... I'm trying to picture it and through our conversation, I'm thinking like initially there were, let's say, professional traders. Well, not all Olympians, but let's say, you know, basically professional players if compared to football and then everyone else. And there would be a massive, massive gap. Based on what we discussed, I would say that world-class players would be world-class players, etc. But instead of having a massive gap, it could be perhaps more of a spectrum. Right. It's a spectrum, definitely a spectrum. And and also remember, this is just, it's a portfolio, right? So the amount that you participate, your expertise is calibrated by two things. One is your comfort with that particular, let's say, options. It can be a smaller or larger percentage of your overall portfolio, depending on your competence, 
and depending on the overall structure of your whole trading strategy. Also, you know, your risk appetite. So the same thing for OTC leverage. It can be a small percentage or a larger percentage. You can participate by asset class and with different amounts of risk associated with it. And those are up to you to decide. So what's possible is for people to take control of how much risk reward they are comfortable with across their entire investing uh, experience, investing and trading experience. And then what's key is to provide the transparency, the risk management tools and the content that help them make those decisions intelligently. And a related question about this learning and, and literacy is about the inclusivity of products. In particular, I think you're well placed to, to discuss this, is the perception that this is very much a masculine environment. And, you know, if you could take symbols of testosterone, you'd pick a bull and a bear. So what, what's your review of this? Yeah, I think it's more of a confidence um, metric, right? I think... Historically, uh, you're absolutely right that about 80% of the world that trade, certainly in the trading area, investing, I think there's a much more balanced perspective in terms of women and men, and it varies dramatically by geography, by country. But I think what you see is that in countries where they have already moved to a very large, well, they've moved to defined contribution that more people have had to participate in markets in order to ensure that they don't get left behind. And that's certainly in Asia and also in the U.S. If there is no defined benefit, people are very hungry to learn and um, be engaged. And I do see that the trend for women to trade going forward is partly due to models, right? Seeing that other people do and understand and get giving them the tools to have confidence to trade effectively. The women traders, there is some statistical research that shows that women traders can be better traders than male traders. But, you know, that is a set of surveys that we'll continue to look at as to how valid they are. Because they are doing the risk analysis in a, those that participate in a very disciplined way. That's also a very, very interesting aspect about trading versus uh, investing. I was participating in a conference to encourage women specifically to invest more. And one of the things they discussed is that people like the idea of investing, but trading seems to be particularly daunting for women, or, you know, that's one obstacle. And there seems to be some investing apps that target that aspect specifically there's a lot of them right but elevest is one that i have in mind which has a different look and feel could there be something as well in the product that could help inclusivity yeah i think one of the things that we're always looking at is how to create a better user experience that is relates to the sophistication of the client as well as what they feel comfortable with that is a, a journey i think it's easy to say that women are comfortable in investing and the Elevate has created a specific look and feel. But that's just technology back to where we had started with. It's a conscious effort to make a different user experience for the audience. We've done that in Japan, where that market, we decided a totally different look and feel was necessary. We'll continue to look at how we make sure that we're relevant to the whole spectrum of current and future traders and investors. And that's why being a fintech is really very important because it's looking at how you use the technology in an intelligent way to create that highly relevant experience for the target audience you're going after. So that's certainly something we're focused on. 
wonderful. One of my previous guests was Edward Chancellor, who wrote a book about interest rates. And one of the things he mentioned was that low interest rates or zero interest rates, as we have, which is in all of the historically, but we've had for many years, it was creating bad investment decision, more bad investment decision. Now we're in a different environment where interest rates are relatively high. How do you see that switch affecting investment decisions of retail traders? Well, I think that for any retail trader or investor, they're going to have to do a bit more analysis of the fundamental strength of a company if they're looking at equities, for example. So back to somebody said on one of the programs that we're back to a land of really almost stock picking would be necessary for people to pick out the people that are really well positioned. That being said, what we've seen in general with retail investors is that because there's uncertainty caused by the interest rate growth that has occurred very, you know, sharply over the last since September, that there's been a shift toward indices and that gives people exposure without necessarily having to worry about being right for an individual equity. And what about the funds for yield, which is something that I see being played out a lot. I see there's a huge demand on, well, U.S. US Treasury yields and how to trade them. And it's not that easy. It's something we also discussed in the previous week. But also, so, well, for example, I see some companies like Public Offer having great success with their Treasury yield type of things. What do you see and how do you, again, address it at IG? Generally, at IG, what we have are people that have made the explicit decision already that this is more focused on trading, which therefore they believe that in order for them to achieve their goals for what they would consider financial freedom, they have to actively participate. So in that case, we see the people actually looking across different asset classes to continue to get that marginal yield. Whether it's participating in gold or in you know commodities or in oil, there has been a lot of dynamic rebalancing in a very on a regular basis so that they can take advantage of those shifts in the market. So these are getting incremental gains on a consistent basis as opposed to looking for long dated types of moves, which is what their investing portfolio is focused on is kind of the foundational yield that would come from that. And what they're trying to do through trading is amplify or improve that performance through their very specific decisions. One of the things I have to mention when you log into IG trading, it says, uh, I think 76% of um, people have, have lost money or losing money when they do this trade. Is one of your goal? or dream perhaps to decrease that percentage very significantly by providing information, education, tools, etc. Well, we always want our clients to trade in the best possible way and get the best possible experience. You know, our whole business model is to be on the same side of clients. The way in which we make money is for clients to be loyal and have a great trading experience. And as evidenced by the fact that we have grown, well, we've doubled since over the last four years in profits as well as revenue. But more than that, over a 20-year period, we've continued to deliver double-digit revenue and growth that our client base is very, very stable and loyal. We have a large percentage, about 90% of our clients are over a year, and a big portion of our revenue and our client base has been with us for over five years. So what we do is create a great client experience. 
the numbers as it relates to the percentage that win and lose, those are calculated in a way that doesn't take into account you know, we don't know what their overall portfolio is. If they, but what we do find is that people really enjoy the trading experience with us, believe that on balance that they do very well by that. And we're really trying to ensure that they have the best information for them, which is through educational content, et cetera, to make great decisions as well as risk management tools so that they will, you know, have continued to improve. But we can't calculate or understand what their overall PL might be across when they short stocks. We don't know whether they own stocks. So it's an incomplete analysis. No, I think fair enough. I mean, and I don't want to push you on that. And I do think it's a little bit like saying 76% of people lose money. It's a little bit like, I don't know, my experience in poker. I tried once to play poker online. I lost, I put five bucks I, I, and then I moved away because, uh, well, it wasn't my passion. But if I was to be passionate about poker, well, then I would, well, work a bit harder and, and try to make money. But anyway, it's important to remind people of the, the risks. That brings me to the topic of regulations. What do you see as the role regulation can play in restoring or improving investors' faith in institutions and financial markets? You know, I honestly think that uh, regulators have done a very good job in terms of ensuring that certainly if we, we look at country by country, uh, in general, I think the regulators have the right mindset in the U.S. toward ensuring that appropriate capital is available for certainly the larger banks. I think the challenge was in the management of those smaller banks and potentially, you know, there were some challenges around the stress testing that should have been done and reviewed by the individuals that ran the institution. I think in general that regulators have to play a role that is proportionate to the risks associated with in the market for any product and given the customer bases they have. For us at IG, regulation is something that we just in general welcome as it relates to ensuring that people have a level playing field associated with our products around the world. And we think that we know how to navigate that and have been able to do that over, you know, 50 years. That can be a very big differentiator, we believe, for responsibly run companies that comply with regulation and as appropriate. And therefore, we think regulators can play an important role. Well, it's a very relevant and timely thing. And actually, something we discussed again with our previous guest that although at some point it looked like it was very much a banking crisis, basically they were falling every weekend, right? And, and namely, I think we haven't named it, but we talk about credit Suisse, Silicon Valley yeah. Bank, Southern Gate Bank, all those, right? They all collect uh, this month. It doesn't look like a banking crisis. And that was the opinion of my guest, my yeah. guest around Dan Davis. So credit to the regulator. It's a tough job. Well, it is. And, and if you look at after the great financial crisis, which was 2008, a huge amount has happened in terms of ensuring that banks actually have the right provisions of regulatory capital and headroom. I think in the case of, unfortunately, Credit Suisse and SVP, this was really much more uh, management shortfalls. And certainly, both, you know, certainly Credit Suisse, unfortunately, has had a number of challenges over the, you know, last four, at least four years that have plagued it. So. I was shocked about the news being also grown up in, in Switzerland and seeing Credit uh, Suisse everywhere. Uh, but it's a bank that did so many mistakes that uh, eventually they have to pay the price, but not, not to welcome, of course, anything like that. But it has been for the size of the bank, for what you know you could expect 
especially compared to the previous crisis, is bigger than Lehman. It has been fairly fairly smooth, right? Yeah. Wonderful. I mean, I think it's such such an important aspect of our lives, so our financial lives, but finance and investment is becoming, I think, a more important aspect of our lives. And therefore, what we discussed here is so fundamental because there's a gap between the demands that are upon us and our abilities collectively. Is there any final word or any advice that you could give? Well, I I think the advice we touched on before was, you know, it's very important for each individual to take accountability and responsibility for their future, right? You know, their financial outcome and promoting that and helping assist that is something we believe very strongly in and are fundamentally focused on helping people, whether they're in grade school or throughout the entire journey, once they become adults and have the means and interest in trading and investing, we are really very focused on ensuring that we're a good partner and provide a great experience for them, but the right engaging content. I mean, most of us have had content and education, but frankly, a lot of it is quite boring and we've forgotten, you know, those some of those classes. I think today with the tools that are available in terms of in terms of YouTube interactive capability and, and modeling, they can be so much more engaging and memorable and helpful than ever before. And that's what we think is a great opportunity to lift everybody's interest, but also competency in this area. Wonderful. I think that's a great conclusion. But since we skipped a bit about your career, which is so interesting, <laughs> and we just have a couple of minutes left, I wanted to ask as well if you have any, let's say, career advice for our listeners. Well, I would say that, you know, no one knows, but what careers will evolve in the future, right? What all you can do is, you know, I think uh, remain highly curious about what are the opportunities and, you know, continue to be hardworking to uh, exhibit both passion and competence in those areas. But I don't have any overarching things except that it's important to back yourself. At the end of the day, you have to back yourself and really put yourself out there to continue to learn and grow because we have no idea what careers will be there in five, 10 years that will be very interesting. Yeah, that's what I find is so interesting about our, well, our times, right? We can learn and grow outside of the university or it can be YouTube channels. It can be reading a book. So let's not forget about that. There's so many opportunities out there. And I think that's a fantastic conclusion and advice for everyone listening. So June, thank you so much for your time. It's been wonderful speaking to you. And we'll put the links, you know, in the description below with all that uh, we discussed and that's relevant to this conversation. And um, yeah, thank you for your time. Great. Great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Investorama, your guide to the future of investing without the hype. Please subscribe to the podcast and rate it on your favorite podcast app.